Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. As I stated at the beginning of the service, we are finishing up our sermon series on Elijah. Last week, we got to see Elijah at one of his lowest points, wanting his life to be over, thinking that there was no use, that he was the only believer left in all of Israel. When God spoke to him in a gentle whisper, he reminded Elijah that his word was still powerfully at work and there were still 7,000 believers in Israel. He wasn't alone. And really from that point forward, what we see is God beginning to fulfill those prophecies. King Ahab, the wicked king, was wounded in battle and later died. And now Elisha has been anointed to succeed Elijah. And today we're going to see that succession take place as one person's time on earth ends only to give way to Elisha. Over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to dig into the life of Elisha a little bit. But let's first finish up with how God gave a special blessing to Elijah today. That very noted 21st century philosopher and former NFL quarterback, Brett Favre, once was quoted saying this, nothing for the most part surprises me anymore. Whether you like Brett Favre or not, he kind of has a point, doesn't he? Would you agree that, that with the technology the way we have it today, with things like AI now coming into play, before that, all the CGI stuff that we get to see in movies and television, it's like nothing can really surprise us because you can create almost anything that you want. And so this week I sat down and I thought to myself, well, what? What in this life still surprises me? You want to guess what I arrived at? Really only one thing. And when you really stop to think about what that one thing is, it truly is surprising and amazing. God loves you. And God loves me. Because we can ask ourselves the question, why? What have I done that means that God would shower his love and his grace and his blessings on me so richly. How is it that God was willing to sacrifice his own son for me? That grace of God, let's let that be surprising every single day. Because it's really at what's at the heart of our lesson for today. The grace of God saying to Elijah, you don't have to experience death in this life. I'm going to take you right to eternal life. And maybe you're thinking right now, well, so what does that have to do with me? Because let's be honest, mathematically speaking, if two people, Enoch and Elijah, in the entire history of the world were taken to heaven without dying, what are your chances and mine? But God has lessons for us still in this account. As we take a look at Elijah, Elijah taken to heaven in a whirlwind today, here's what I'd love for you to focus on. First of all, we'll see in Elijah's life Someone who honored God, and that's what we have in this life too. We have life, to, we live life to glorify God. But then secondly, just like Elijah, maybe not in the same way, but just like Elijah, we have life in the glory of heaven. What we're going to look at today is found in 2 Kings chapter 2, the end of 
Elijah's time on earth. And so if you'd like to turn there and follow along in your Bibles, it's on page 570. You certainly can just listen to it being read as well. Or if you prefer to use an app on your phone, feel free to do that as well. We're looking at 2 Kings chapter 2. We'll look at the first 15 verses of that chapter today. We'll start with verses 1 through 6. Page 570. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Kind of setting the stage for the, the end of the story of Elijah in the book, books of Kings. It was last week that Elijah thought he was finished. He was done. He didn't want to do anymore. It was hopeless. He felt helpless. But God reminded him that he wasn't finished with Elijah yet. And now after some years have passed, it is time for Elijah's end, the end of his time on earth. God is ready to take him home. How this all came about, we're not sure. But somehow, Elijah knew it was his time. Elisha knew it was his time. And later on, we're going to find out these companies of prophets knew as well. And so it almost seems as if God is allowing Elijah to go on this little farewell tour. I don't know if you're a sports fan or not, but this tends to happen when somebody announces their retirement at the start of the year, and then at each city that they stop at for the last time, they have a little farewell that often accompanies uh, that person. They might give gifts and things like that. That's kind of what's happening here, this farewell tour. There's these companies of prophets. Literally, the Hebrew says, sons of the prophets. And it seems almost as if there are these seminaries that existed, that's what we might call them today, places where the prophets were trained so that they could represent God before the people. And at a couple different stops, Elijah and Elisha meet these prophets who also knew that Elijah's time was near. If you take a look at the map on the screen, you can see where they went from Gilgal to Bethel and then Bethel back to Jericho and then finally Jericho to the Jordan River. Yes, that news that, that had been revealed that Elijah's time on earth was up, it saddened Elisha. Every time somebody reminded him that that's what was going to happen, he said, don't talk about it. Don't, don't speak of it. Every time Elijah asked Elisha to stay behind, Elisha said, no, I'm coming with you. As surely as the Lord lives and you live, I'm not going to leave your side. Maybe you've had this experience in life. It's not an easy one to be at the bedside of someone who is in their final hours of life. 
But what a comfort we can bring to people as we stand by their side, even through those difficult times in life. That's what Elisha is doing for Elijah. He respected Elijah as a prophet of God, as someone who was faithful to God, who used the gifts that God had given him to bring glory to the Heavenly Father. Oh, there's sadness for sure. You can see it in Elisha. He doesn't want Elijah to leave. And yet, there's a joy that's connected to it as well, as we'll see before the end of the story. Really, these first six verses are a good reminder to us of King David's words in Psalm 31. Our times are in your hands, we confess with King David. Think about that. We know that our time in this earth is, is limited. As Moses said in Psalm 90, 70 years, maybe 80 if we have the strength. And yet we know that something is beyond life in this world. And that's the encouragement that we receive through these words today. Let's see what happens next. Will you turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 7 to 10? Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, not. Are you amazed every time you read the simple language of the Bible that reports miracles, like the crossing of a river with the water completely gone and dry ground appearing? You know this isn't the first time that God parted waters for people to walk across them from one side to the other. Can you recall the others? Do you remember the Red Sea when the people of Israel were leaving Egypt and how Moses held his staff over the sea and it split? So there was a wall of water on the right and a wall of water on the left and the people of Israel walked across on dry ground. Maybe not quite as familiar but really serving as a bookend to their time of wandering in the wilderness, the crossing of the Red Sea at the front end, and then the miraculous crossing of the Jordan River as the people of Israel entered the land of Canaan. That time, God had the priests walk into the water, carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and the water stopped flowing from upstream so that the entire nation of Israel was able to walk across on dry ground. It's amazing to think about those miracles, isn't it? But then the miracles keep piling up because Elijah offers to Elisha to ask for anything he wants. What can I do for you? And Elisha's request is admirable, isn't it? It takes me back to God making the same offer to Solomon when he was about to become king. Ask for anything you want and I will do it for you, God had said to Solomon. And maybe you remember that Solomon asked for a wise and discerning heart to govern the people. Here what Elisha asks for is a double portion of Elijah's spirit. 
we should probably just pause for a moment to understand what that means to have a double portion of Elijah's spirit. At first glance, we might read that and say, Elisha wants to be even better than Elijah was, and maybe God is going to give that blessing. You can be the judge of that after we walk through the life of Elisha. But this is far more to do with the inheritance and how an inheritance was passed down in Bible times. I'll give you for an instance. Let's say a man has three sons. And as he's getting ready to, uh, his life on earth is winding down, he's going to divide his inheritance not into three parts, but into four parts. And the oldest son gets a double portion, two parts of the inheritance. If my math is right, and I'm not always great at math, each son that wasn't the firstborn would receive 25% of the inheritance, and the oldest son would receive 50% of the inheritance in the scenario that I gave. That's the double portion. So really what Elisha is asking is to be the successor, to be the one that God had already anointed him to be, the one who was going to be the prophet in Israel. Elisha understands it's not really Elijah's to give that blessing. And so Elijah simply says to him, if you see me when I'm taken from you, then God is going to grant what you have requested. You see, they both knew that those were God's gifts. In the book of James, he asks us, if we're lacking wisdom, that we can take that to our Heavenly Father who gives wisdom to all who ask for it. You see, those blessings of God, we don't have to be shy about asking God to increase our faith, to connect us with him through his word, to grow in the knowledge of all that he has done for us, and to look ahead to the joy of heaven. At the Red Sea, it was, the, it was Moses' staff. At the Jordan River, with Joshua, it was the Ark of the Covenant. Here, it's a robe. Elijah rolls up his robe, strikes the water with it, and the water splits to the right and to the left. I couldn't help but think about robes as I thought about that special symbol of God's power that God had given to Elijah. You see, you have a robe too, a very special robe, a robe that comes to you through the faith that God has given you in Jesus. For many of us, that was at our baptism. When Water was applied to our head in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God promises us the righteousness, the holiness of Jesus that covers us so that what God sees is not the person that we are, but the person that Jesus has made us. Holy, blameless, free from sin and its guilt, and an heir of eternal life. We have been robed with the righteousness of Christ through faith, through baptism, through our connection with our Savior Jesus, the one who took our place, lived for us, died for us, and was raised again. That's the special robe that you wear. Let's see what happens as the story winds up here. Verses 11 to 15 of 2 Kings chapter 2. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them apart. 
He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak that had fallen from him and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. I don't even know how easy it is to picture what just happened as was being described in 2 Kings chapter 2. As much as we use CGI and, and have all these special effects in movies, understanding what it was like for a chariot of horses, chariots and horses to come down flaming in a whirlwind and whisk Elijah off to heaven. And that's just visually. Can you imagine what it must have sounded like? Maybe a freight train coming through? Not that Elisha knew what a freight train sounded like, but that loudness of, of God coming to earth and getting to see this glimpse of his glory. And then what they did was even more amazing. Whisked Elijah away into heaven. Elijah did not experience death. One of two people, as we've said before, who did not experience death, at least according to the Bible, Enoch being the other one, and I suppose we might have to ask ourselves at this point, what was so special about Enoch and Elijah that God would take them to heaven without dying? And while they are certainly people of faith, while they are certainly people who feared God and, and served him with their lives, in the end we can only conclude one thing, God's grace. God gave them an extra special blessing in their lives to take them to heaven without death. The chariots and horsemen of Israel, Elisha cries out, well, what is he talking about? Well, what do the chariots and horsemen do? Aren't they the people who lead an army into battle? And so as Elisha watches Elijah go, he's wondering who's going to be left to fight the good fight? Who's going to be left to represent God before the people? And really, God gives him the answer with the cloak that falls, with the same cloak that he rolls up and then strikes the water with, and it's splits for him too. That the spirit that he had prayed for, that double portion of becoming the successor, that's exactly what God gave. You see, the faithfulness of Elijah was going to be repeated in the life of Elisha. I suppose, in effect, what you see here is a promotion, we could call it. The succession from prophet to prophet. And God is going to do amazing and great things through Elisha, as we'll see in the next few weeks too. One more amazing thing about the life of Elijah. This isn't the last time we see him. You probably remember, we've talked about it once before in the sermon series, that he appears again in the New Testament. When Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus glows, he's white, before the disciples, who's there with him but Moses and Elijah, representatives of God's faithfulness in the Old Testament. And here's the thing about John and James and Peter getting to see that glimpse of glory. It's exactly what Elisha got to see too. You see, those are great accounts for us to read in the Bible, 
Because it's the reminder of who God truly is. Normally, we only see God working behind the scenes. And sometimes we can't see him working. And so it makes us wonder, does God still know what's going on? Does he, he know where I'm at in my life? Does he know what's going on in the world? Is he paying any attention? And then when we see accounts like this, where God reveals his power and his glory, like at the transfiguration, there's nothing for us to fear. God hasn't forgotten he knows exactly how to go to work and powerfully through his word. And that same Elijah who was taken to heaven, that's what happened to Jesus too. When he died, he left his tomb empty. He was glorified on the third day as he was raised from the dead. Your guarantee that sin is gone forever, that no guilt is, is is something that you have to face because your Savior already took those sins away. I know that for most of us, unless Jesus comes in the next minutes, or days, or weeks, for many of us, we'll never experience what Elijah and Enoch did because we'll go to our graves too. But we won't be there forever because Jesus is coming back. And when he does, he's going to give us that same glory that Elijah has right now, an eternal life with him in heaven. Jesus says it this way, because I live, you also will live forever. Some takeaways from our sermon on Elijah today. Number one, our times are in God's hands. We live our earthly lives to praise him. To the Corinthians, the apostle Paul wrote this, we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised to life. Number two, we are heirs of eternity because we have been clothed in robes of righteousness. To the Galatians, the Apostle Paul wrote this, You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Finally, number three, Jesus is coming back to take us to heaven where our joy will last forever. Did you hear it as we read it in John chapter 14? I'm going to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So what are we supposed to think about an account like this when someone is whisked away to heaven in a whirlwind? Is that something we should be hoping for and praying for, that, that God is just going to take us away from all of the pain and sorrow and suffering of this life? Maybe. We don't know what God has in store. But we do, really, don't we? We know the rest of the story. We know because Jesus promises us that our place with him forever in heaven is already prepared for us. His death on the cross assures you that you will stand before him forever. And with all respect to Brett Favre, just maybe when we get to heaven, we might be surprised at just how good it is. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.